baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the State of California. Good afternoon. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS political reporter and host of the State of California, joined by Patty Rising and Brett Burkhardt. Vice President Kamala Harris is in the Bay Area this afternoon as part of her Reproductive Freedoms Tour. The former U.S. Senator from California is joined by our two current senators as they try and keep abortion on center stage in this year's political campaign. Yeah, abortion rights were a huge driver for the Democrats' success in elections in 2022 and 23, uh, ever since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and states began enacting more restrictions and even outright bans on abortion. But the issue has not really been prominent in the Republican presidential primary, uh, mainly because the major GOP candidates all oppose abortion rights and the party does not want to remind women, especially, of, of where they stand. So Vice President Harris is crisscrossing the country to bring it back into the spotlight. She started in Wisconsin over the last few days. She's brought her message to Sacramento and today San Jose. For more on this, we're joined live today on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline by Dr. Anna Sampaio, Professor of Ethnic Studies and Political Science at Santa Clara University, where she specializes in race and gender politics. Thank you so much for being with us. As always, uh, always a pleasure to speak with you. Um, so the Biden-Harris team is using Vice President Harris to keep abortion rights on the front burner as we move into the 2024 campaign. Is this a smart strategy and is she the right messenger? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is a really important strategy. Um, in, in particular, this is a unique issue that has the effect of galvanizing a not quite united Democratic base, including women, Black, Latino voters, but also suburban voters. It, it also has the potential, though, to expand that base towards particularly moderate and independent voters and even rural voters who have lost a lot of access. Uh, remember, two -thirds of the, about two-thirds of the country supports abortion rights. So this is a wildly actually popular issue. But it's also an issue that's been advanced in a number of swing states, such as Arizona. Um, and there are a lot of these state initiatives that we know have popped up since the since uh, Roe versus Wade was overturned. And in every state where it's been on the ballot, voters have voted to either ensure or expand abortion access. It's even outperformed Biden in states like California, Vermont, and Michigan. So this also has potential because there are not of down ticket implications in this election. Remember, we're not only voting for a president, but there are a lot of uh, questions about who's going to control Congress, and particularly the Senate. And so with these initiatives popping up in places like Arizona, Colorado, Nevada, we're also hoping that the Biden campaign is really hoping to mobilize voters in some of those competitive Senate races um, and House races as well. So it is it is a, a very savvy um, strategy here. The nominations seem all but settled with uh, President Biden and former President Trump almost certain to be the nominees again. Is it too soon to move right into the general election campaign where there's only been one primary so, so far? I, I think it's 
it's a little early. Yeah, voter fatigue can really set in if once you start hard and heavy right now. Uh, plus, we can't count out the fact that Haley is still in the race, right? There is, in effect, I hope that I think the Democrats are are hoping for at least some additional spending on the part of the GOP, if not Trump exclusively, and some more political maybe damage to Trump's uh, you know facade by Haley. So I, I do think it's a little early to kind of get into the general election. Although you know it is important to repair some of the fracturing that's gone on in the Democratic base. Remember back in 2012, you had the same kind of fracturing in the Obama coalition. This is a little bit of that repair work that happened similarly in 2012 to kind of bring the base back to attention, making sure they show up during in, in the November election. Along those lines, how important is it for Biden and Harris to remind everyone that President Trump is the one whose Supreme Court appointments led to the end of Roe v. Wade and to make this a referendum on that and not on Biden's performance as president? Oh, absolutely. That's that's exactly right, Patty. That this, this is an election that they are hoping becomes this referendum on Trump, not on Biden, but also reminding people of these attacks on fundamental rights. Abortion is key here, but also health care. Right. Remember that Trump is threatening to undo Obamacare, which, again, has only expanded in terms of um, its, its its membership. So really, they're, they're, they are hoping to kind of um, underscore the political liability that Republicans have taken on in supporting the end of Roe versus Wade and undermining reproductive of rights um, and hoping to, to you know underscore that political liability not just again for Trump but to these um, uh, to these uh, Republicans running for Senate and for House races as well. So Donald Trump actually did better with women in 2020 than he did in 2016. Obviously, he was running against Hillary Clinton the first time, a woman, and Biden the second. But he narrowed that gender gap by six points. He lost uh, by 16% in 2016, but only by 10% last time. How do you think his helping to end Roe v. Wade is going to affect the gender gap this time around? And what about the impact you know, of all his criminal and civil trials, including being found liable for sexual assault and having to pay uh, E. Jean Carroll $83 million? He may have narrowed the gender gap, but he didn't actually narrow it among black women and Latino women, which are a growing class of women voters, right? White women in particular are narrowing in terms of their population. Black women and Latino women are growing, and their actual support for Biden has increased. So I, I do think that this issue is going to be significant, again, not just to women voters, but key demographics, including moderate and independent voters, um, even lots of Republican voters who say that they favor at least some modicum of abortion rights. So I, I think this is going to play importantly to women voters, to suburban voters, to rural voters, but man, to moderate independent voters, this issue is really um, going to be brought home in some significant ways. And I think it's going to be a political liability for Republicans. You hinted at this, but I want to go a little bit more in depth on this. And that is, do you believe, and it sounds like you do, that other campaigns lower on the ballot uh, box may adopt this reproductive health care strategy? Oh, yeah. I think, you know, if you look at Arizona, I think it's a really interesting case because here you've got Kristen Sinema, who, you know, at one point was a Democrat who vocally supported, uh, uh, you know, abortion access, but since has, uh, you know, not only left the party, but has really shied away from that kind of support. Now, she hasn't said that she's opposed to abortion access, but she voted against a key filibuster vote, a vote to suspend the filibuster, which was tied to the ability to vote in local, in states in particular, and to, 
um, maintain abortion access. And so national organizations like NARAL, like Emily's List, like Planned Parenthood have effectively backed off in their support for her. Now, we don't know if she's going to enter the U.S. Senate race, and she could all be gone from that ticket, um, it, which means that you may have Democrats take control again of that key Senate race. And, you know, candidates like Gallegos putting abortion back onto that um, back onto that uh, back into that race. So I do definitely see other candidates coming out of Colorado, Florida, Debbie Mercosel Powell, man, she's challenging Rick Scott and abortion access has become one of the centerpieces of her campaign. So yeah, I absolutely do see other candidates in key states bringing this back onto the table. You know, younger voters and particularly younger voters of color are really turning against Biden, many of them because of his staunch support for Israel and its war with, with Hamas. How do you think abortion rights will play into their calculus 10 months from now? And that's such a critical issue to them. Right now, they're very angry about one specific issue. But when it comes time to decide to vote for him or not or sit out or go for a third party candidate. Uh, I think that's part of the strategy. I think that they're hoping, one, that the issue about um, uh, the ceasefire in Gaza and the potential for a ceasefire in Gaza will at least have some political resolution between now and November. But I think that this issue is really meant to um, prompt prime scare, coax that population of the Democratic base that has been dissatisfied with the Biden administration for lots of good reasons. And and so I do think that that because of the, the effect of this issue, because of the legs that this issue has, because it's going to continue to be in front of the SCOTUS in the next several months, there are continuing potential bans that could come up. I think that they're hoping that the urgency and the um, depth of the feeling around this issue for the Democratic base will in fact help to bring those folks out in November. All right. Well, thank you for your time. As always, Anna Sampaio, Professor of Ethnic Studies and Political Science at Santa Clara University. She's a specialist in race and gender politics. You can hear the state of California every weekday at 3.30 p.m. It's also available on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find me on Twitter at Sovereign Nation. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.